Ah, we told you we'd be back. Hey, it's just you know going out for a pack of smokes takes a lot longer than it used to these days in Gavin Newsom's California. That's right. Uh, yeah, it, the air quality in New York though you can just breathe it in right now. That's right. And it's as bad as getting an entire it's pack like of smokes. Six, or at least six whole cigarettes. But we're gonna bump those numbers. But yeah, we're back. Luckily, things didn't get too crazy while we were gone, or at least no more crazier than usual, <laughs> mm-hmm. or at least not crazy here on the West Coast, which is uncharacteristically not the coast which is currently on fire. Mm-hmm. So welcome to hell, New York. We've been waiting for you for a long time. Uh-huh. But there's still a lot to cover, particularly a lot of tech news, which is good because this is our tech show. Um, yeah. We'll gather up some other stuff in there's news. There's lots dump, but... <laughs> to talk about. The election, the primary is, uh, oh, it's moving along, baby. A lot to talk about tomorrow or the day after, but mm-hmm. for now it's tech news day and we really must address the uh, shocking news that despite Mark Zuckerberg's utter failure at making the metaverse a thing, uh, VR is not in fact dead, Mm. at least according to Apple. Uh, It's not dead, but since this is Apple we're talking about, it is just prohibitively, absurdly expensive. Inaccessible. The kind of price you look at and you go, what? They are so lucky they didn't give out these headsets to the crowd because one, everyone would have made off with them. They're like, I'm going to steal this. But two, they would have had, when they saw the price, it would have been like a Tex Avery cartoon where their eyes would have Broken through the glass yeah. in the goggles. Yeah, it would have been uh, real bad. <laughs> wow, this is pretty... Oh, my God! How much? Well, it's $3,500. That's right. Yeah, so while every other big tech company, particularly Microsoft and Google, but also even Meta itself, has fully pivoted to AI, at Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference this week, they barely even mentioned AI. They were brave enough to do the other and thing. And we salute them for that. Uh-huh. And instead, they devoted their biggest reveal to Apple Vision Pro. They didn't even start with Apple Vision or Apple Vision Plus. Pros only, no Joes. It is a mixed reality headset that at first glance doesn't look all that different from the headsets we've seen for years. So has Apple lost the plot here? Didn't they get the memo? Beyond the surface level impressions and the fact that it costs, again, $3,500, thus making it a very niche product. Apple Vision Pro you got to hand it to him. It, it is kind of cool. It's pretty sick, actually. Yeah. It's, it's like, I, no, I am never going to own it. And even if I, you know, it, it, I could afford it, I guess. It's just not something I feel like spending the money on. But it looks pretty fucking cool. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. Again, I don't think it's worth the price. I, I, I look, know. I would love to put one on and give it a go for about an hour. I mean, I've seen some interesting breakdowns on like whether or not it's worth it by like comparing the cost of this to like, you know, the cost of having it's like, okay, well, you can conceivably watch like seven, like hundred inch TVs at yeah, once. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, you can have multiple monitors for your computer or whatever, yeah. and you can uh, uh, see your, your dead wife and kids. That's through the right. memories. Uh, that's my favorite comparison is the uh, cops are going to love this for the revenge movies. Yeah. Now they're now your dead wife and kids are in 3D. Yes, that's right. Uh, anyways, it, it is... Look. Pretty it's, cool. It's cool. This is a tech show, and we haven't been able to talk about tech that's actually innovative yeah, and cool in that, a long time. That's a good point. Yeah, I miss... You know, back in the day, it was like all these big uh, these big events, they'd have announcements. It was like, oh, wow. Hey, cool. That's Something a new. thing that didn't exist before. And like this, it's, it's not... Obviously, all of this is, they're treading on well-trodden ground, but yes. like, I'm like, oh, this is an interesting product. Yeah. They're doing something new. Up until this point, it's like, oh, uh, the, the camera can zoom 1x times more and look yeah. good. Now it's like, hey, buddy, we Apple's doing something weird over here. 
Yeah. Something that has been demonstrably bad yeah, something for that a very long many, time. Many, many people have failed at. <laughs> yeah, so I like the risk-taking, yeah. i got to say. Uh, but yes, Apple has been semi-secretly working on a VR and AR uh, device and in general for the past decade. And clearly a lot of thought went into this thing, especially the design. They, uh, It looks futuristic as yeah, far as the... Still, you don't look cool in it. No, but, absolutely but not. How could you? I mean, And why would you wear it in public? It is weird how much they leaned into that. Yeah, because they have <laughs> to have people accepting of this. Yeah, uh... Yeah, whether it can actually catch on where others have failed, that remains to be seen. And it, it remains to be seen for at least the next six months because it's not scheduled for release till January. Yeah. So that's another interesting thing. Usually Apple's like, and it comes out in three weeks. And it's like, no, this is, wait till next year, buddy. We still have some kinks to work out. They're going to be putting up the cyberpunk yellow screen here in no time. But yeah, look, it, this is it's an incredible piece of technology. At face value, yeah. Uh, even though m- a majority of people on this planet are never going to touch it, at least and in have the first no couple real of use for it. Yeah, either. at least in, in the few, few uh, first couple generations of this, at the price point it's at, absolutely not. No. But yeah, so the way that VR slash AR systems have been marketed over the years, and how that's changed, is very interesting. So at first, with Oculus and Valve gaming was the obvious focus. Mm -hmm. And then Zuckerberg went all in on the metaverse pitch. And then they kind of backed off of that and started (laughs) marketing the Quest Pro as a productivity and creativity tool. And Apple's mostly leaning into that productivity and creativity side of things. But they're kind of going all in in a very Apple way by pitching Apple Vision Pro as the gateway to what they're calling spatial computing, Mm. which is basically the answer to... uh, what if your MacBook or iPad screen took up your entire living room and you could control everything with just your eyes and some really subtle hand gestures while still being fully aware of all your surroundings? Or to put it more simply, it's the computer for Minority Report. They're doing the Minority Report computer. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of the same stuff we've seen over the years, but done in a very Apple way. And because they have their own ecosystem and own development, it's it will at least work. Yeah. That's always been the selling point of Apple. It works. Yeah. Yeah. So Apple, Apple, they obviously didn't invent the idea, nor are they the first to ship it. Virtual VR, AR, MR workspaces have been around almost as long as VR itself, with the most comparable product to Apple Vision Pro being the Microsoft HoloLens 2, released in 2019, and it sells for the exact same price, $3,500, which is why nobody talks about it. <laughs> it, it and people, they also... They people probably have them, it, but... Uh, uh. Maybe some bosses have them so they can virtually lean in and make sure that the remote workers are actually working. That's what it's good for. Yeah, but where HoloLens is marketed pretty much exclusively to industry and enterprise, Apple's marketing is much more consumer-focused, even if most consumers aren't really in the market for this sort of thing. It's like, oh, oh, you just have the MacBook Air. Well, I have the Mac... For no reason. I have the the MacBook Pro. I have the Cheese Grater Mac Pro maxed out, which... I can I can't remember, but every every time they release a new Mac Pro, obviously on this show, I I go in and I select all the most expensive to options. see what it is. Yeah, and like last time, I think it was, it was like at least fifty thousand dollars for it. Yes, the joke has always <laughs> been college students on you know four thousand dollar laptops watching YouTube. Right. Uh, regardless of how likely this is to eventually catch on in the way smartphones, tablets, and smartwatches have, the amount of tech they manage to cram into this thing is kind of insane. Uh, So let's just do a rundown of what Apple Vision Pro is and what it can do. 
So yeah, it's a headset, obviously, but uh, it's way more AR than VR, thanks to having so many cameras and sensors built in. It's like a Tesla for your face. Oh no, my face is on fire. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, the battery is separate okay. for a reason. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> so yeah, you see what you would normally see uh, in 3D, but with whatever apps you're running sort of floating around you as if they exist in the same physical space as you. Instead of controllers for your hands, like in most VR systems, Vision Pro is controlled via a combination of eye tracking, which works sort of like a cursor, and hand gestures for clicking, scrolling, swiping, and pinching. And thanks to all the cameras, your hand can just be sort of sitting in your lap. And <laughs> aside from uh, clicking, which involves like tapping your thumb and forefinger together, all the gestures seem to just be the same ones as on a smartphone or tablet. So you're not going to have to learn a new uh, language. And it only requires one hand, folks. Only one. Yeah. Get, uh, get good with using your left hand for the gestures, because you're going to need that right. No, Apple will never allow porn on this thing. No, no, they, they, that's the thing is they have a quick response that says, no, I'm jacking off. I'm not at Club Aqua. I'm not. <laughs> so uh, that'll be a nice gesture. But <laughs> Apple created an entirely new operating system for this, and it looks like you can have multiple windows and apps open at once, arranged in 3D space however you like. So for example, multiple windows arranged like a massive multi-monitor setup, or a 100-foot movie screen 50 feet back. And all this is done thanks to not just a pair of depth-sensing cameras, but also LiDAR sensors that actually map the dimensions of wherever you are in real time. Cool. Uh, yeah, the LiDAR sensors also uh, allow simulated spatial audio that sounds like it's actually acoustically happening where you are, as opposed to just being shot into your, your ears. This I don't even fully understand this, but it seems like very complicated, very scientific, and it's just like, you know, I wouldn't have really cared if the sound didn't sound like it was coming out of speakers, but they did it. They have this on the uh, <laughs> AirPods, and I had to turn it off because I was listening to Apple Music, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm like, the fuck? Where is that coming from? Yeah, it's, oh, it, it's my ears. You listen yeah. to like a normal song, and it's just like, why? I don't want it to yeah. be like in each ear different ways when I'm turning my head. It's just, such a weird innovation. I'm like, who asked for this? Like, it's I don't know who would enjoy they... listening to music like that, and they yeah. market it like it's the next big thing. Yeah, you guys want headphones that sound like speakers? I okay. want it to sound consistent. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, and then, yeah, you can turn this little dial on top to uh, see as much or as little of your actual surroundings as you want. Mm -hmm. So you can be watching fake screens in your living room, or you can just like all black, or you can do it in the forest if you want, or the beach. Um, and the 3D camera system also allows users to record those 3D photos and videos of their dead families yes. uh, that will feel as real during playback as they did when they were recording them before the family was murdered by the mafia and before you went on your revenge fantasy to avenge their death. It is just another morally question. It's not morally questionable. It's just like, I wonder if people will have any kind of emotional trauma visiting family members who are long dead, visiting actual memories as if they're real. I mean, they're not interactive. That's, I know, I know that's that. That's where it but, gets creepy. I mean, this is just, I mean. Well, without uh, too much longer, using AI right. to make them real will be something. But yes, even visiting old memories in a fully immersive way seems unsettling to me. Eh. I feel I like mean, there's a natural human process I don't, to grieving. I, I don't think this is exclusively for looking at pictures and videos of dead people. I think it's just memories in general. I think it's exclusively for looking at it. Because otherwise, it's like, just go talk to them. 
Yeah, well, maybe they're not. Uh, maybe they're not in your physical space, but now the, your memories are in the virtual space. Like this, I mean, it's weird. Yeah, maybe if I had kids, like you know, you take home movies, see your kids grow up, and you're like, oh, it happened so fast. And you can go back and like watch a video oh. of like your kid taking his first steps yeah, in yeah. 3D when like, they're a teenager nice. and they're cussing back at yeah. you, giving you lip. You say, get, you're grounded. And then you put on the headset and look at them when they were kids and actually yeah. loved you. I miss what you were like before you learned to wipe your own ass. You <laughs> I got hate real you. cocky once you figured that out. I hate you, Dad. Oh, yeah? Put the headset on because this little guy used to show a lot of love to his father. Yeah. Anyway, it's, of course, <laughs> always an issue with these kinds of products that what you see in the presentations uh, looks way better than the actual experience of wearing the headset. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's impossible. You can't show on a screen what it actually looks like without simulating it. Yeah. And so you're always going to be disappointed. The, the meta, uh, announcing the metaverse thing was the worst example of this because it's like, oh, I'm in a Pixar movie. It's like, wait, <laughs> I'm in a fucking DS game from 2011. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it looks like, I mean, according to all the people who got to demo it, all the tech journalists who went in and a lot of them went in very skeptically, mm -hmm. the, that's really not the case. You kind of get what you, what you see is what you get with this. And uh, it's pretty much one-to-one -one with the ads more than any existing headset on the market. And that is apparently thanks to probably the most insane accomplishment here on the spec side of things, which is it kind of blows my mind. Is each eye is looking at a micro LED OLED screen uh, the size of a postage stamp. That, that postage stamp has more pixels on it than a 4K TV. I can't even wrap my fucking brain around that. That's innovation, baby. And I'm excited to talk about that instead of Elon Musk. But uh, <laughs> the other cool thing is that, you know, as far as as video chatting goes, because of their closed-in ecosystem, uh, you know, I, whatever they call it, I can't even remember. But FaceTime. FaceTime. FaceTime works seamlessly. And so this is there apparently... There are some interesting aspects of FaceTime that we'll get to, though. <laughs> uh, FaceTime, but they, they, like, match the height and the room space and everything, which is... Yeah. And you can just, like, put... I'm going to put your face over here, put your face over here. So I guess that way, visiting my parents or my nieces, it would feel more nice than just calling, I guess. I, I don't know. Apple Vision Pro also attempts to solve an inherent problem with this kind of product, which is that uh, even if you are fully aware of your surroundings, thanks to the cameras, to the other people in the room, your face is still mostly covered by a headset. You look ridiculous. Yeah. Please take that thing off. Look me in the eye. Apple solution is an outward-facing display that automatically <laughs> reveals your eyes to people that it detects around you. Okay, uh, and interestingly, it seems that it's not actually the user's eyes that are displayed. It's some sort of real-time AI recreation of their eyes based on sensor data and a 3D scan of the user's face. This is Homer Simpson sitting in the jury, putting on his sleeping glasses. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, and for some reason, this stuff creeps me out. I, I, when I, I tested out that NVIDIA uh, eye contact uh, OBS feature like a year ago. Oh, yeah. Where like... Oh, it adjusts you, so yeah, you're Even if you're looking at the screen, like you're always looking at the camera and like, yeah, watching the playback of that, I was like, this is so fucking weird. Like, those aren't actually my eyes. And the eyes are the window of the soul. And so like when... Yes, you're making eye contact with someone wearing this fucking headset, but you're not. You're looking at not even just like a video uh, representation of their eyes. You are looking at fake eyes. Those eyes are not real. I wish they would have a, a sensor where if a hot chick walks by, that goes, Awooga! Yeah. And it fake breaks the glass Boom. and they go all big. Yeah, come on, Apple. Have some fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, similarly, Apple has attempted to solve the issue of video chatting while wearing a big, big old headset on your face. Yeah. 
Uh, Meta's solution to this was using uh, all that sensor data on the headset to rig up basically a cartoon puppet version of the user. Uh, Apple's digital avatars use the same sort of approach, but with a photorealistic version of the user based off of 3D face scans. And the result has been described by many as being deep in the uncanny valley. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that would that would appear to be the case. Um, you sort of look like, uh, you know, an artist's uh, rendition of like this person was 16 when they went missing, but now they're 25, and this is what they look like uh, off of the composite images that we have. It, it, it gives me that vibe. You're going to be able to, like, oh, you know, I want to see my parents, but, you know, when, when they were my parents, not, like, elderly, yeah. uh, when I was living at home. So I'm just going to turn down the age of my mom and dad. <laughs> and, like, this is there's some dystopian uh, shit also, that can happen Also, people here. have rightfully pointed out, like, what happens if I scan... Uh, a different face or like a mask like scan like a fucking scary mask and like uh -huh. that's my face and now when you do video chat like it's a permanent filter i'm just gonna be that warthog that has its mind blown <laughs> but yeah i mean it you're not looking at the person you're talking to you're looking at a photorealistic sort of puppet of their face that seems to be highly accurate but also still has that that special sauce of just something being a bit off especially because it's someone you would assume that you know Deeply. Yeah. So you're looking at it and you're like, there's something off about this. Yeah, I'd, I'd almost rather talk to a cartoon. Yeah, and, maybe. And if we're going to have like a serious conversation, take the fucking headset off and call me on the phone. <laughs> fucking piece of shit. Or just come visit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one feature that's actually very appealing is that if you have a Mac computer, you can pair Vision Pro with it wirelessly and have the gargantuan multi-monitor behemoth display of your dreams. It's Your thoughts are now reality. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing that appeals to me most. Yeah, this is appealing in a normal work setting, doing creative work, or really any work. But it's especially appealing to be able to take that kind of display setup on the road with you and just fit it in your backpack. Maybe that's just from years of trauma, having to edit videos on a laptop at events like Comic-Con. But being able to turn any hotel room desk into a big screen, three-monitor workspace, it would have made things so much easier. Yeah, that, like, for me, that is the number one selling point. If I was still going on the road all the time, Editing like quick turnaround pieces on a fucking 15 inch screen. Like, throw down the 3500 so I can have all these monitors and work as fast as I want. I would have definitely told Machinima to spend that money for yeah. us. And at a certain point, they would have they would have just signed that check. They're like, our money's not real anyway. Yeah, it's a write off, and we it's need a... as many write offs as we can. And get. then, much like the equipment that we're filming on, we would have stolen it from them when they, they let us it go. It was given to us with a with with a wink and a nod, but it was given to us by nobody's someone... going to know that that's going missing. Yeah, um, <laughs> if you're watching this from if, Dave, if David Zaslov is watching this, we didn't steal from you; we stole from three CEOs ago. So they this was purchased before Warner Brothers ever got it. It was, and why would you want a C100? Uh, anyways, this camera's ten years old. It's Come enough. and take it. It's good enough for us. <laughs> anyway, as for power consumption, they made the interesting choice of having the battery pack completely separate and tethered to the headset so you can keep it in your pocket or what I would assume is one of those cool clips that uh, old people wear on yeah, the side of their belts. That's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yes, it makes the headset itself much lighter and I would assume much less hot after a while of use. Mm -hmm. uh, it still only supports uh, two hours of battery life, which is probably good. You should probably enter reality yeah, again. Yeah, go touch some grass, plug it in. Uh, but you can also just plug it into a wall or your computer if you're not moving all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, get in the lazy boy and uh, plug it in. That's get right. Get wild with it. Uh, so anyway, interestingly, Apple seems so intent on differentiating it itself from Meta that there is not one mention 
anywhere of anything even resembling any sort of metaverse <laughs> in any of this marketing. Uh, and yeah, even gaming, which started the whole VR craze about a decade ago, is conspicuously absent, aside from showing someone playing a game with a PS5 controller, but on a virtual 2D screen. So they're playing a game that they would normally play on a TV. It's just now the TV is virtual. And bigger, presumably, in a lot of cases. You would hope so. Yes. Yeah, but you, you can also make it as small as yes. you want. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I want to be playing mm. like the Switch. Like, yes. oh, I can't play Zelda unless it's yeah. this big. I want that, that real experience. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, the whole pitch here is basically it's taking everything you do on an iPhone or a Mac, but making it come to life around you, which is pretty cool. All the early hands-on demos have been generating very positive reviews. But yeah, again, this thing's $3,500. It's not really like, it's not a consumer product at this point. Most people, they try it on and be like, that was cool. Anyway, That's what I'm saying. where's like, my phone? If you, I, I feel like someone is going to know within a couple of people, someone that gets one and just be like, let me go in there for an hour. Yeah. And I'll get I'll get in, then I'll be over it. I think Apple is also releasing this almost as a dev kit. Like, that's not something they do, but, like, by making it public and by making well, it they available... Can have apps by making it available it. to, like, developers and stuff, it's, like, they're... It's a product in search of a purpose, and it's, it's likely it'll find some purpose. I can see this being useful uh, to people in very niche fields. Yeah, but like, yeah, it's this is not. No, you're gonna it's not be, for you or me. The the first time you see this is walking through the first class section of a flight. Oh yeah, that's, oh yeah, that's exactly yeah. where you're gonna see this. This is for uh, early adopters, yes, developers, and people, people that want to be seen with it. People who want to be perceived as wealthy and important uh, when they wear this thing at the airport or in first class, or which at is Starbucks. how the marketing does work. It's like yeah. AirPods. Even I, the first couple months of AirPods, I was like, those look ridiculous. Now everyone's got. Them. I mean, they're a great product. They do. do just, they do work uh, well. My problem is my. I'm very sweaty, and I I didn't know this until the AirPods, but I sweat inside my ears. Oh. I I didn't even know there was pores in there. You could probably find some sweat proof. Uh, yeah, maybe caps on it somewhere. It's a, it's as long as I don't like go like this. Yes, I'm good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, so yeah, I mean, this is not. It's not for you. It's not for me. But it exists, and it's cool, and it's. By far the most exciting VR product we've seen in a very long time. Yes, and look, we're talking about a tech product that is yeah. innovative, new, somewhat exciting. I fucking love science. And pro and pro and as all original tech products should be, prohibitively expensive. That's right. Yes. The pores can't get their grubby little hands on this thing. <laughs> yeah. No. This is for the upper tiers. For the elite. Yes. Uh, anyways, moving on now to some other news from the category of science fiction becoming reality. It is, once again... Time to talk about aliens. Dun, 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 dun. There's been no shortage of alien news, or at least UFO news, sorry, UAP news for the past few years, including videos shot from military aircraft and statements from former government officials. And this week, the science website The Debrief published an article that, assuming it's not complete bullshit, is pretty damn intriguing. Just look at this headline. Intelligence officials say U.S. has retrieved craft of non-human origin. Okay. My curiosity has been piqued. You go on. The source of this claim is a former intelligence officer and decorated former combat officer in Afghanistan named David Charles Grush, who worked with the DOD's Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force from 2019 to 2021. So relatively recent. Yeah. Very recent, in fact. And he says that uh, information about its discoveries are being illegally withheld from Congress. Yes, yeah, so this guy's job, because Congress, like, over the last few years has been like, oh, no, we'd actually like to look into this. And his job was sort of like being a liaison. Mm -hmm. And he he 
he found stuff and he's like, I'm taking this to Congress. I'm like, no, you fucking aren't. No, you aren't. He's the bouncer. Uh, but yeah, here's the part you, here's the part you really want to read. Yeah. Gresh said the recoveries of partial fragments through and up to intact vehicles have been made for decades through the present day by the government, its allies, and defense contractors. Analysis has determined that the objects retrieved are of exotic origin, non-human intelligence, whether extraterrestrial or unknown origin, based on the vehicle morphologies and material science testing and the possession of unique atomic arrangements and radiological signatures, he said. In filing his complaint, Grush is represented by a lawyer who served as the original intelligence community inspector general. Quote, we are not talking about prosaic origins or identities, Grush said, referencing information he provided Congress and the current ICIG. The material includes intact and partially intact vehicles. What? Yeah, Grush isn't some lone crank. The article quotes several other military and intelligence figures who back him up. Carl E. Nell, a recently retired Army colonel and current aerospace executive who was the Army's liaison for the UAP task force from 2021 to 2022 and worked with Grush there, characterizes Grush as beyond reproach. Christopher Mellon, who spent nearly 20 years in the U.S. intelligence community and served as the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence, has worked with Congress for years on unidentified aerial phenomena. Quote, A number of well-placed current and former officials have shared detailed information with me regarding this alleged program, including insights into the history, governing documents, and the location where a craft was allegedly abandoned and recovered, Mellon said. However, it is a delicate matter getting this potentially explosive information into the right hands for validation. This is made harder by the fact that, rightly or wrongly, a number of potential sources do not trust the leadership of the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office established by Congress. Uh, continues, Jonathan Gray is a generational officer of the United States intelligence community with a top-secret clearance who currently works for the National Air and Space Intelligence Center, NASIC, where the analysis of UAP has been his focus. Previously, he had experience serving private aerospace and Department of Defense Special Directive Task Forces. Quote, the non-human intelligence phenomenon is real. We are not alone, Gray said. Retrievals of this kind are not limited to the United States. This is a global phenomenon, and yet a global solution continues to elude us. And from elsewhere in the article, his assertion concerning the existence of a terrestrial arms race occurring sub rosa over the past 80 years focused on reverse engineering technologies of unknown origin is fundamentally correct, as is the indisputable realization that at least some of these technologies of unknown origin derive from non-human intelligence, said Carl Nell, the retired army colonel who worked with Grush on the UAP task force. In a 2022 performance evaluation, Laura A. Potter, Deputy Chief of Staff for Intelligence Headquarters, Department of the Army, described Nell as an officer with the strongest possible moral compass. Yeah, so again, these, these aren't just cranks. These are people putting their professional reputations on the line to claim that, basically, top secret parts of the U.S. government and intelligence agencies have been sitting on decades worth of hard evidence of alien spacecrafts and technologies that they refuse to acknowledge. I mean, this is crazy enough, but in another interview with News Nation, Grush said, We're definitely not alone. The data points quite empirically that we're not alone. When you recover something that's either landed or crashed, sometimes you encounter dead pilots. And believe it or not, as fantastical as that sounds, it's true. Okay, so, fuck. Uh, what, what's going on? What, and what are we supposed to do with this information? And yes, it is right to be very skeptical of these sorts of claims, but if this is a PSYOP, baby, what is the goal? 
Yeah, I, what am I trying to be distracted from? Like, I don't want to just eat this up, but like, if this is fake, if they're pulling my leg, to what end? <laughs> Where are we going with this? Yeah. Is it the Apple headset? Yeah, uh, yeah, by the way, we don't just have spaceships. We've also got bodies, like, we, yeah. you know. We reverse engineered their eyes to get microscopic 4K displays inside the Apple Vision Pro. They're, they're literally describing, uh, like, that the Area 51 in the movie Independence Day. Yeah. They're like, yeah, you know, we've had this shit here all the time. We've got an alien in a tank. Look at that yeah. shit. Hey, you think you're a bad enough pilot to get in this thing and do a couple laps? Yeah, Let's what see the it. fuck is going on? Yeah. I just, I, this is wild. What do I do? Nothing. We enjoy it. I enjoy it. I guess. But they haven't killed us all yet, so they're yeah. obviously not too pissed about us finding this stuff. Yeah, if they wanted to, they, they would have by now. Yeah, Probably, so just enjoy the sideshow. Yeah, let's not focus on this, though. You know, a lot of things are going woke. So Congress... <laughs> Congress it, it would be Congress so... doesn't have time to talk about, like, the fact that there are uh, fucking alien UFOs in warehouses. Uh, it would be so funny. If the if if the election pans out and Ron DeSantis is president, aliens finally visit and they're woke. I know. They probably have like three genders. Yeah. Two dicks, <laughs> four yeah. vaginas. Yeah. Well, the aliens have gone woke. Yeah. What are you gonna do? We gonna do Ron? Yeah, we're gonna cancel these aliens. That's right. <laughs> That's how the world ends. That's right. Yeah, they what just press one button and we're know, gone. Fair enough. We deserve it. That's right, we do. Anyways, uh, I guess this is interesting. Concerning. Congress should be looking into this. Look into this. <laughs> I am intrigued. Yeah, you have my... I, I just love the past five years. We've gone from... All right. Maybe. Yeah, some weird stuff happens out there sometimes. To, to, like, to people, like, honestly being like, hey, everyone, by the way, these this is all real and it's yeah. happening. The guy, this Gresh guy, like, the picture of him in the article, it's like literally him is like, here are all my medals. Yeah. Anyway, aliens are real and I've seen them. This is... <laughs> said with the same kind of like importance uh and urgency as the uh chat gpt guy being like regulate us yeah. please for the love of god fucking hell anyway yeah that's fucking crazy um there's links below to all of our sources if you want to read that whole article mm -hmm. a lot going on there it goes into a lot more detail about all this but we can't just sit here dwelling on the possibility of extraterrestrial visitors to earth all day or we'll yeah. go fucking insane yes we have to move on we have lots of other news to cover and that uh, of course includes um AI news. We took a break and AI still exists? I know. Uh, but yeah, here's some AI news that's almost as existentially <sighs> terrifying as that last story. The U.S. Air Force apparently handed over full control of a drone to an AI, and the AI murdered the drone's human operator. Oh, wait, hold on. Turns out that this was just a computer simulation. No one got killed, and thank God. But does the AI know that it was just a simulation? Oh, wait, hold on. Again. Uh, turns out that didn't happen either, and okay. this was all just a case of miscommunication. Ah. Okay, so what the hell did happen? Uh, here's Motherboard. A U.S. Air Force official who was quoted saying the Air Force conducted a simulated test where an AI drone killed its human operator is now saying he misspoke <laughs> and that the Air Force never ran this kind of test mm -hmm. in a computer simulation or otherwise. Quote, Colonel Hamilton admits he misspoke in his presentation <laughs> at the FCAS summit, and the rogue AI drone simulation was a hypothetical thought experiment from outside the military, based on plausible scenarios and likely outcomes, rather than an actual U.S. Air Force real-world simulation. The Royal Aeronautical Society, the organization where Hamilton talked about the simulated test, told Motherboard in an email. 
We've never run that experiment, nor would we need to in order to realize that this is a plausible outcome. Colonel Tucker Cinco Hamilton. Cinco. Put in my flight name. (laughs) (laughs) The U.S. Air Force's chief of AI test and operations said in a quote included in the Royal Aeronautical Society statement, Despite this being a hypothetical example, this illustrates the real-world challenges posed by AI-powered capability and is why the Air Force is committed to ethical development of AI. We got to see if, wait a couple weeks and see if these guys get uh, their rank demoted. And then they'll be like, you you said something that you weren't supposed to say. We were supposed to be real hush-hush about that drone killing all those uh, drone Oh, it's, in, in the timeline of our current reality, this is going from this happened to as a simulation to some guy was just bullshitting on stage to, okay, it did happen, but it was just a computer simulation to it actually happened and yeah. someone's dead. Weird game of telephone we're playing here. Yes. So, yeah, I mean... I guess that's it's still a plausible scenario. I mean, whether or not it is a thought experiment, mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, if you know how these machines think, yeah, I guess that could happen. But how, how the hell did everyone get the completely wrong impression about this? Well, here's what uh, Cinco, <laughs> Mr. Cinco Hamilton, Call sign Cinco. <laughs> actually said at that defense conference where he was quoted. We were training it in simulation to identify and target a surface-to-air missile threat. And then the operator would say, yes, kill that threat. The system started realizing that while they did identify the threat, at times the human operator would tell it not to kill that threat. But it got points by killing the threat. So what did it do? It killed the operator. It killed the operator because that person was keeping it from accomplishing its objective. Pretty cool, huh? (laughs) (laughs) So, well, you know, now even the thought experiment doesn't even make much logical sense, but sure. Regardless, it's still somewhat reassuring that the military is admitting that it could be a catastrophic mistake to just let AI control combat drones with lethal firepower. And that's good. Except now, on his I made a little oopsie tour, Hamilton keeps talking about how this is just an example of why the Air Force is committed to doing AI ethically. Which isn't so reassuring. Yeah. No, we're still doing AI. We're yeah, just doing course. it ethically. You can, you can trust the United States military to stand by its ethics. Yes. Nothing shady will happen at all. Or yeah. has already. Yeah, I mean, we thought about it, and there's a good chance this will just blow up in our face and we're, like, creating Skynet. But that's, you know, that's why we got to be a little bit more careful. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing. And that's what we're doing. We're doing it very ethically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, in other AI news, which is uh, less consequential for the future of the human race, but still pretty consequential for the future of hiring a lawyer who isn't a fucking idiot, An attorney just got in big trouble for relying on ChatGBT to do his job for him and uh, inadvertently provided a great example for why the legal profession might not be in any trouble. I don't think they're getting replaced by AI anytime soon. This keeps happening. They keep uh, showing blatant examples of how AI can't actually do all this stuff. Uh, Yeah, and this story is especially good because there's not even really any malice in this one. This is just some Mr. Magoo shit. Uh, So here's the New York Times. The lawsuit began like so many others. A man named Roberto Mata sued the airline Avianca saying he was injured when a metal serving cart struck his knee during a flight to Kennedy International Airport in New York. When Avianca asked a Manhattan federal judge to toss out the case, Mr. Mata's lawyers vehemently objected, submitting a 10-page brief that cited more than half a dozen relevant court decisions. There was Martinez versus Delta Airlines, Zykerman versus Korea Airlines, and of course, Varghese versus China Southern Airlines, with its learned discussion of federal law and the tolling effect of the automatic stay on a statute of limitations. There was just one hitch. No one, not the airline's lawyers, not even the judge himself, could find the decisions or the quotations cited and summarized in the brief. And that was because ChatGPT had invented everything. 
Yeah, this looks believable. Like, those are those are airlines. Can't seem to find them. Yeah, uh, just dig a little more, Judge. I know you'll find go it. Go down to the public uh, library's archives. There's a lot of cases. You yeah. Know. Uh, it continues. The lawyer who created the brief, Stephen A. Schwartz of the firm Levidow, Levidow, and Oberman, threw himself on the mercy of the court on Thursday, <laughs> saying in an affidavit that he had used the artificial intelligence program to do his legal research. A source that has revealed itself to be unreliable. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Schwartz, who has practiced law in New York for three decades, told Judge P. Kevin Castell that he had no intent to deceive the court or the airline. Mr. Schwartz said that he had never used ChatGPT and, therefore, was unaware of the possibility that its contents could be false. He had, he told Judge Castell, even asked the program to verify that the cases were real. <laughs> it had said yes. Oh, <laughs> well, I was inclined to believe it. Hold on, are you lying to me? No. If, you, okay. if you're lying, you got to tell me. That's yeah. a trap. <laughs> so yeah, it would seem that this lawyer, despite being an expert in the field of law, is not an expert in the field of AI, and therefore didn't know that what he was doing was stupid and wrong, and was under the impression that when ChatGPT answers a question, it does so truthfully and factually, rather than just providing answers that seem authentic at first glance by shoving words together. Normally, when finding citations for a case, he'd probably use a legal database, which can be time-consuming and very annoying. But, oh wow, ChatGPT was just spitting them out, the irrelevant yeah. citations. Cancel my LexisNexis subscription. No problem, very cool. And what's wild, though, is that once the judge and opposing counsel said they couldn't find those cases, Schwartz went back to ChatGPT and asked to give him those documents, and then submitted those documents to show that they're definitely real cases that yeah. he cited. They were having trouble. Can you just print out the case? Oh, sure. look at that. There it is. There you go. All right, here you go, Your Honor. Case closed. Oh, Wait, okay. It's not? Oh. Well, case oh, no. closed on, on that. Yes. Now the case. I'm just saying things. I, yeah. I, I, I... Uh, anyway, here's the part of the article about the lawyer uh, explaining to the court how the hell this little oopsie happened. Mr. Schwartz said that he had consulted ChatGPT to supplement his own work and that in consultation with it, found and cited the half-dozen non-existent cases. He said ChatGPT had provided reassurances. Is Varghese a real case? He typed, according to a copy of the exchange that he submitted to the judge. Yes, <laughs> chatbot <laughs> replied, offering a citation and adding that it is a real case. Mr. Schwartz dug deeper. What is your source, he wrote, according to the filing. I apologize for the confusion earlier, ChatGPT responded, offering a legal citation. Are the other cases you provided fake? Mr. Schwartz asked. ChatGPT responded, No, the other cases I provided are real and can be found in reputable legal databases. But alas, they could not be. Oh, all of those reputable legal databases. Oh, you know. Which one, specifically? No, no all of them. <laughs> yes, well, there's so many legal databases. I well, Be more specific, please. I, it Literally, like, ChatGPT, it, it's, it's, a, it's a compulsive uh, liar. It, yes. This is, this is how liars, uh, mm -hmm. people with a... It's a gaslighting machine. Yeah. It's a gaslighting machine. Oh, you must not be looking hard enough, Mr. Schwartz. <laughs> it's there. You must be dumb. <laughs> you dumb as hell. <laughs> uh, and anyways, we do, of course, have a lot more to get to today, including companies that, uh, that users are very mad at, companies that the U.S. government is mad at, and also Twitter, because, of course, Elon was on his bullshit the entire time we were gone. And I got to say, it is very funny to come back from a week or more in the woods to a tech show. It's a very, uh, very weird juxtaposition of my no. mental state. But uh, first, we do have a word from this episode's sponsor, and that's Stitch Fix. Are you tired of the endless search for the perfect outfit? Well, Stitch Fix is here to help. 
Using their online platform and personal stylists, you'll have access to a custom wardrobe that fits your style and your budget. Stitch Fix is the easy way to get clothes that fit you without having to endlessly scroll through options. All you have to do is answer a few questions about where you typically get your clothes from, what you like to wear, and your price range. With your choices in mind and a wide range of sizes available from extra small to triple XL, they'll find your perfect fit and send you clothes handpicked just for you. They've got you covered with over a thousand brands and styles you know and love, and they'll show you how to wear head-to-toe outfits so you can just get dressed and go. Clothes shopping can be annoying and time-consuming, and it's awesome just getting a box of clothes every few months that you can try on, you keep the items that you like, you send back the items that you don't. It's the easiest way to keep your wardrobe refreshed as often as you want or as infrequently as you want without having to leave the house. And sometimes they send you stuff you never would have picked out at the store and you end up loving it. It's a... Uh, it's a nice surprise, and I am terrible at dressing myself in anything other than jeans and a t-shirt, mm -hmm. so it really breaks me out of that shell. Yeah. I try to get it seasonally. That's Something right. for each season. Something for the season. Yeah. Try Stitch Fix today at stitchfix.com newsday, and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That is stitchfix.com newsday for 25% off today. stitchfix.com newsday. All right, well... Buckle up, buckaroos. It is time for the Elon Musk part of the show. And since two weeks worth of bullshit is way too much to dig through if we want to keep this episode under two hours long, although I'm sure you would love that, let's stick to the highlights. Like the fact that it is now double confirmed that Elon Musk buying Twitter was an utterly disastrous financial decision. Here's Bloomberg. Twitter is now worth just one-third of what Elon Musk paid for the social media platform, according to Fidelity, which recently marked down the value of its equity stake in the company. Musk's investment in Twitter is now worth $8.8 billion, according to the Bloomberg Billionaires Index, which uses Fidelity's valuation to calculate the value of his holding. Musk spent more than $25 billion to acquire an estimated 79% stake in the company last year. Ooh. So yeah, Elon not only vastly overpaid for Twitter, which was obvious, yes. but it's gotten even more worthless since he bought it. Mm -hmm. Over $16 billion. More money than any of us will ever see, even a fraction of, in our lifetimes. Just poof, gone. Yeah, uh, again, look at what a billion dollars looks like. Yeah. It is, it's easy when you just say the word, but my it's, God. It's unfathomable. Yes. Anyway, and yeah, that's just from what he personally invested. Uh, another $19 billion that went into the purchase, the full $44 billion purchase, uh, came from other sources. And those people are probably, I would imagine, not super happy with how their investment is turning out. But uh, that's what you get for betting on a social media company run by a guy with zero social media experience. Or just zero social experience, if we're being fucking honest. Yeah. An asocial social media CEO. Yeah. You get what you pay for. And meanwhile, the bleeding, the financial bleeding, yeah. continues unabated. The man has absolutely no clue how to steer his company to profitability. And that's as true now as it was seven months ago when he bought it. It's been seven months. Time flies. Uh, here's the New York Times. Elon Musk recently said Twitter's advertising business was on the upswing. Almost all advertisers have come back, he asserted, adding that the social media company could soon be profitable. But Twitter's U.S. advertising revenue for the five weeks from April 1st to the first week of May was $88 million, down 59% from a year earlier, according to an internal presentation obtained by the New York Times. The company has regularly fallen short of its U.S. weekly sales projections, sometimes by as much as 30%, the document said. That performance is unlikely to improve anytime soon, according to the documents and seven current and former Twitter employees. 
Twitter's ad sales staff is concerned that advertisers may be spooked by a rise in hate speech and pornography on the social network, as well as more ads featuring online gambling and marijuana products, the people said. The company has forecast that its U.S. ad revenue this month will be down at least 56% each week compared with a year ago, according to one internal document. Is that bad? I think that's bad. So yeah, I mean, ads have historically made up 90% of Twitter's revenue. So yeah, pretty bad. But yeah, look, Elon has made some efforts to diversify Twitter's revenue streams. Um, For example, by uh, completely destroying the verification system and turning it into a pay-to-win scheme for the most annoying people alive. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, as we've seen, not enough people are actually buying Twitter Blue to make much of a dent. And overall, whatever value it adds financially, is more than offset by the value it removes from the average user's experience actually using Twitter. Mm-hmm. It fucking sucks now. Yes. Prioritizing posts by $8 blue checks also removes value, not just for users, but for advertisers who understandably preferred it back when their ads didn't show up right underneath, just like straight up unvarnished hate speech. And as we've seen, any time that Elon does a decision that is something that he is learning on the fly, uh, how old Twitter operated, mm-hmm. The people who are his biggest supporters Elon! end up canceling their Twitter blue stuff uh, thing. Yeah. So that he's, I can't imagine that this is going to be a continually growing uh, paid option. He is uh, Elon's relationship with like the right wing is very interesting because he's basically like he's the uncool nerd in high school who whose family is rich and had a sick pool. Yeah. And so... They use him yeah, for, they, for, for the access. <laughs> yeah. They don't like him, and he's annoying. Well, that's what makes me nervous he, about he the... He lives to please. He wants friends. That's what makes me nervous about the financial stake and who has it in the company who wants to see returns on their investment, whether that is... Uh, well, it's not going to happen financially, but maybe they can uh, do something else with it. Uh, So the fact that Elon himself keeps interacting with racists and transphobes on his own website and keeps doing shit like saying George Soros is trying to destroy the world, it's not helping either. (laughs) And here's a great line from the article that really sums up the problem. Mr. Musk has promoted new tools known as adjacency controls so advertisers can keep their ads away from tweets containing specific keywords or posts by certain users. Some advertisers are using tools to keep their content away from Mr. Musk's tweets. (laughs) Four people familiar with the situation said, Yeah! I believe it. I yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. For an even more perfect example of Elon Musk's Twitter presence actively destroying himself financially, um, he went to China last week and he didn't tweet for two whole days because of the Great Firewall. And uh, after not tweeting for forty-eight hours, suddenly he was back at number one on the Bloomberg Billionaires (laughs) Index. Just shut the fuck up. Correlation isn't causation, yeah. but still, maybe a, this is a sign from the universe to just shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Things, good things happen to those who shut the fuck up. Exactly. Uh, but hey, that new CEO, Linda Yaccarino, uh, she has officially joined Twitter. The most boomer tweets possible. Uh, so yeah, things could perhaps turn around. Um, despite her years of experience in ad sales, the whole reason she was hired, um, she she's definitely got her work cut out for her, especially uh, based on uh, what appears to be the owner of the website um, not taking any of her suggestions to heart. No. About, uh, and the, the tweets of her that I've problem. seen, uh, they read like someone who is very old who joined Twitter like 10 years ago. Like, going down to the, the mall this week, what should I pick up? Yeah. Hashtag the, shopping. Yeah. It, it's like that. 
So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how long she lasts. Uh, if this was a, a free country like the United Kingdom, you could go down to your local Paddy Power and and place a bet yeah. on, on how long Linda Yaccarino is going to last. But we yeah. live in America where uh, we have to go on DraftKings or something. You gotta you gotta fucking buy crypto if you want to gamble. So, That's right. And I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Well, I think the 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 boost in Tesla price, I'm sure it has a lot of different reasons. But they did a a this is tech news. They did a partnership with Ford. Mm. To allow access to all Ford's EVs to the supercharger network, which is oh. actually a pretty big deal. Yeah, uh, the Tesla. Uh, yeah, that's actually. It's good. undeniable that they've created quite an impressive infrastructure yeah. as far as charging goes. Although in a place like LA, like in a real city, I don't know. I don't. I'm sure. I'm sure New York and Chicago are the same. But like, I, there's charging stations all over the fucking place. Yeah. And a lot of them are Tesla, but a lot of them are not. Well, now but, you'll be seeing more Mach E's uh, parked at the Tesla supercharger. That's a cool car. It's fine, and I th- I like that they're opening up their uh, infrastructure to more uh, yeah. car companies because yeah, it, it, it it's good for both companies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, right before the new CEO of Twitter took over, Yaccarino, uh, Elon made sure to once again make it abundantly clear that his free speech platform is really just a right wing platform by platforming and drawing attention to a transphobic Daily Wire documentary that was correctly flagged by Twitter as transphobic and therefore had reached uh, had its reach limited by the algorithm. The whole Daily Wire rogues gallery then spent the entire day yelling at Mr. Musk, please, Elon! about free speech and blah, 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 until he relented under pressure and not only removed all the limits on the post, but shared it to his own timeline with the message, every parent should watch this. He literally has a trans child who uh, understandably refuses to wants to talk completely to him, distance uh changing their name to not have the the musk taint on their yes. experience yeah so great dad this elon guy musk in the daily he's not getting a card father's day is right around the corner well not he's got like 13 other kids that's that's the reason you have so many kids it's just you know one uh, will love you redundancy yes Musk and the Daily Wire guys all spent the next several days calling it the most successful documentary in the entire history of film due to its view count, which literally counts scrolling past a video on your timeline as a view. And still, they were always constantly touting the impression number and not the video view number, which had a discrepancy of millions, tens of millions of views. It's been insufferable. Uh, If you watch three, I don't even know, Twitter's probably less. I think it's, it's... one second? Yeah. Because even like TikTok or Instagram is like three seconds. Facebook was, I think, three seconds. Uh, that counts as a view. So if you scroll by and you're like, huh, what's this? That much time passing right. is a view on the video there. And we here in the drags and, and, and the YouTube. Yeah, 30 takes, seconds. Yeah. For a, you have to yeah. commit. Yeah. You got to watch at least 30 seconds yeah. of our babbling to Matt count Walsh as a view. has been uh, insufferable. I mean, more than usual. He's always insufferable. He's selling so many baby dolls. But he's. Baby shit's fucking weird. But yeah, he uh, he's just like, he's literally proclaiming, like, this is the most successful documentary in the history of film. Step aside, Errol Morris. Step aside, Ken Burns. The best. This is the most watched documentary ever. And and then he posts a screenshot of Rotten Tomatoes. Why are no critics watching this? Because it's not a real movie, dude. Yeah, and also the critics, <laughs> it's like, look at these tomato scores, and it's like six reviews. Yeah. It's all conservative critics. Right. Nationalreview.com. <laughs> Although actually, national—I don't know if it's—I uh, don't know if they reviewed this one, but national reviews, uh, movie reviews, are fucking great, or at least the ones by Armand White, who is like—he's conservative in like such a fucking insane way that his reviews are very fun to read. 
Yeah. He, he, like, he's the kind of conservative I like because you just never know what you're going to get. You're going to read some fucking wild shit. It's not like the conservatives today are mostly they're just boring. It's like, oh, woke this gender this like Armand White is on a different fucking plane. <laughs> uh, I like uh, our, our friend Kat goes and immediately uh, instead of reviews, reads the parental guide. Oh, it, she's very wholesome and does not want to see anything too uh, yeah. uh, gory or sweary. Right. So reads the parental guide on IMDb before seeing any movie. Yeah, doesn't good. you know the reviews are the reviews but i gotta make sure that this is wholesome enough yeah yeah, yeah they go to like focus on the family.com they have, uh, <laughs> yeah they also those are those parental guides are always funny because like if you read like the evil dead rises one yeah. it's like obscene gore eyeball popping like yeah like they're reviewing movies that no christian family would ever fucking watch like yeah. or even be curious about watching but like they have to do it because and describe in detail what commitment to the on. job it's like every day asking the lord for forgiveness like i'm doing this for a reason I'm not watching these movies because I like it. I'm watching it because I hate it. Yeah, I saw Evil Dead Rises and had to do so many Hail Marys. You are not going to believe. It's a it's a good movie. Uh-huh. Anyways, in the aftermath of that whole thing, uh, some of the few remaining Twitter higher-ups decided that they'd finally had enough. Uh, here's NBC News. The chief of Twitter's trust and safety division, Ella Irwin, left the company that same day after a tenure leading its efforts around content moderation. A second executive, A.J. Brown, whose job was to reassure advertisers that Twitter was a safe place for their brands, also decided to quit, the Wall Street Journal reported. A third person, a program manager who worked on brand safety, said on her Twitter profile that she was now ex-Twitter. Musk said in a tweet Friday that the departures were related to his decision to allow the conservative outlet The Daily Wire to post What is a Woman? A decision that thrust Twitter back into a raging cultural debate. He's trying to make himself a martyr. I don't care how badly this company ends up. I'm doing this to placate Matt Walsh and Ben Shabibo. The coolest guys in the world. And Jordan Peterson. Oh, what a, and, what a wonderful... Who's that other guy? Dream... Michael Knowles. Dream blunt rotation. Yeah. <laughs> and that Jeremy Boring guy. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Imagine all the cool shit they get up to down, down at the Daily Wire. Candace Owens, you know. It's, usually, it's more of a boys club, but Candace, you can come. Come on in, Candace. Talk that shit. Spill the tea, sis. Tell yeah. us about Steven Crowder being a weirdo. I haven't checked in on him in a while. Um... Wait, yeah, no, he had know. he got kicked off YouTube for having Alex Jones host his show before. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he got really mad about it, even though it's like This is a very You literally well did, the, you did this in order to get banned. Like yeah. it's a, it wants to be a fucking martyr so badly. Anyways, sure. Free speech means allowing content like this to exist in the marketplace of ideas, even if you disagree with it. But unlike the marketplace of ideas, the actual marketplace, <laughs> the marketplace of money clearly doesn't like the vibe that Elon is creating with his leadership style. Uh Advertising on the website owned by the guy that officially kicked off Pride Month by promoting an extremely transphobic movie is understandably not what a lot of advertisers are into. And going back to the Apple thing, they announced that they're pulling back uh, their Twitter ad spend as well. They don't need it. Yeah. It's not worth it anymore. Anyways, uh, happy Pride to those who celebrate like NASCAR. Yeah. That's right, baby. <laughs> vroom, vroom. Yes. NASCAR. Yeah, yas car. <laughs> and anyways, go fuck yourself to Elon Musk and the Daily Wire. And anyone else watching this who's transphobic. You can yeah, eat why are shit. you watching this far? Go in. fuck yourself. Yeah, you've already left your mean comment. Yeah. You left 30 seconds in, thus giving us the view, but leaving before hearing us talk. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. uh, moving on now to some crypto news. We'll be very brief about this. Please. Uh, this is the first crypto news we've covered in a long time. Oh no, is crypto back? Ha <laughs> ha. No. no, quite the opposite. This is actually great news because crypto is even more fucked than it already was. Yeah. Oh, baby. It's over. Yeah. 
we're not going to waste any time making any sense of this news. That my, my least favorite part of crypto was having to even attempt to understand what the fuck is going on to even talk about it. But no, not going to bother with that anymore. Basically, the SEC is coming after Binance, the world's largest crypto exchange, for breaking a ton of laws. And their case, uh, at first glance at least, seems pretty solid, uh, at least based on this section of the SEC's complaint, where Binance's chief commercial officer is quoted as saying, We are operating as a fucking unlicensed securities exchange in the USA, bro. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. I'm in the I'm in Nancy <laughs> Pelosi's office. <laughs> uh, and yeah, on top of that, the SEC is also going after Coinbase for what sounds like uh, similar but less serious financial crimes. Yeah. Still serious enough to be very bad news for crypto as a whole. Basically, the SEC is finally like, oh, yeah, no, crypto tokens are stocks. You're doing securities. There's not any difference. That's just what you're doing. You're doing a stock market without any fucking rules. So uh, I can hear it now. <laughs> I can hear it now. That's FTX 2.0's music. Uh, it is hilarious, like with Binance specifically, because when FTX was crumbling, uh, Binance was like, "Well, it's a shame. We would never it's do a that. shame about them." And like from what it sounds like, Binance was doing the exact same shit, just like moving money around without like yeah. any oversight, just playing with house money. So uh, yeah, get fucked, everyone. Sorry, crypto's yeah. over. Woo woo. <laughs> Anyways, uh, finally, people are mad at Twitch and people are also mad at Reddit. Mm -hmm. On the Twitch side of things, they released new guidelines about brand integrations that spe uh, specify stuff like how much screen real estate sponsor logos can take up. But they also just straight up banned playing burned in video ads, i.e. playing a commercial in the middle of a stream. And branded content is still allowed. But a lot of big Twitch creators seem to be very mad about this and are threatening to leave the platform over it. Did you see there was I, I don't know if that that's the update. But there was an update Twitch straight up tweeted like, hey, yo, 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 well, I'm sorry. No, we made I a mean, big mistake. They stood by it. Uh, basically, it sounds like, so some creators are genuinely mad about this. I don't watch Twitch, but I, I wasn't aware that people literally just play, like, press play on a commercial. Mm. Uh, which, like, yeah, I can see why Twitch wouldn't really want that. Like, I don't think YouTube allows that either. Like, we, we couldn't just put, like, a commercial for Stitch Fix in this episode. We have, to, we have to do it the way we do it. Um, so yeah, people are getting mad about that. And I think like, it'd be know, much easier if we could just put it, I know. <laughs> but yeah, just through osmosis, people got like, maybe, uh, you know, streamers are a little dramatic. Um, but well, yeah, drama so, creates more so, views. Yeah. So. so Twitch clarified, they're like, no, you can still do branded content. Cause I think a lot of people got the idea like, oh, branded content is gone. Uh, but yeah, I mean, people understand like, like Twitch is already, you make way less money on Twitch now than you could yeah. a couple years ago. Uh, so it's just another thing. People getting mad at Twitch and like, we're leaving. It's like, where the fuck are you going, bitch? Where are you going? To YouTube where there's like zero yeah. discoverability for live yeah. streaming? What are you going to do? Yeah. And then on the Reddit side of things, um, after years of allowing third-party Reddit apps free access to its API, uh, they pulled an Elon recently and they're going to start charging a lot of money for API access. Uh, Reddit's stated reasoning for this decision is so they can prevent AI companies from just freely gobbling up all of Reddit's voluminous text content to train AI language models, which that's a good reason that makes sense. But yeah. this will also result in basically every third party Reddit app shutting down due to astronomical traffic costs that they cannot possibly offset. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, this wouldn't be much of a problem if Reddit's own official app was better. But a lot of people fucking hate the official Reddit app. I'm coming around on it. Yeah, it's it's, it's okay. It is what it, it is. It used to be really, really bad. And I yeah. it's, it's gotten a little better, but yeah. A bunch of huge subreddits plan on going dark on June 12th to protest this decision, which would theoretically deprive Reddit of all that ad revenue 
that they would be getting mm -hmm. for 24 hours. It's And it is enough big subreddits that it seems like it could, in fact, hurt Reddit financially a little bit. Might make a dent, but uh, we'll see if they're able to accomplish anything. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for it. I feel like there should be a better way to deploy this. Right. I mean, it's the same thing with Elon. Or like grandfather in certain things. Yeah, it's like, like there's... What is it, like the Apollo app? Right, yeah, uh, that's a big one. There, I mean, there's like so many Reddit reader apps. And like, yeah, yeah there's got to be... It's the same with like Twitter, where it's like, look, some people's uses of APIs are... Good, actually. Good. <laughs> and uh, you should want them around. They streamline your service in a way that you uh, cannot scale. And like, yeah, with Reddit, it's like uh, a lot of people will just stop coming to Reddit if they can't use their favorite app, which would be bad for you financially. So maybe you yeah. just, maybe you make an exception. Shouldn't be that hard. You little whitelist. Kevin Rose up, breaks through the door. Dig is back, baby. You know, we're, we're, we've been long overdue for a, a dig, dig renaissance. Yes. <laughs> It's been that we've been I in the dark never, ages. If you didn't live through it, if you're too young to remember, there was never a heel turn, a complete. It took like, one week. Yeah, one it week was from John Dig to it literally was the first website I'd go on. Like it was the biggest website in the world to absolutely nothing in a week. I can't even remember what they did, but whatever they no, did. No, it was a it was a design. It was a, a oh. <laughs> UI change or whatever. It was wow. a design change. Uh, from what it used to be into just a new design. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, it was already being exploited uh, yeah. heavily by then. But, yeah, Reddit used to be this, like, not underground, but, like, more niche kind of version of Dig. Much more hideous. Yes. Even, like, Reddit now looks like shit. But, like, if you go back and look at, like, the old version of Reddit from 10 years ago, it is not a welcoming user mm -hmm. uh, experience. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's the story of how Reddit... Uh, Became what it is. Yeah, it was like, it As was not a popular website. It rose that. from the ashes of Dig. Yeah. And now it's time for Dig to return. It's got a, time for Dig to dig itself out of its grave. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, our episode. Uh, if you haven't, we've been gone for two weeks. So I'm, I don't know I'm why you watch you watched, it. Yeah. We, we have to put two videos there. I don't want to not put them there, but uh, yeah. Just watch them. Just watch them or don't. Yeah. Watch them again. We'll be back with uh, with some more news to catch up on. We have a lot of catching up to do. Oh, yeah. So we'll be back with more news to catch up on soon. In the meantime, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Make sure you like the video. Come Remember? On. I almost forgot to yeah. say it. We've been gone so long. We've like, been gone so long enough that the algorithm now thinks we're dead. Yes, so you have you to have like to it. You have to engage. You got to do all the things. Please, because we've been gone, watch this video twice and like it five times. Mm -hmm. Don't act, actually just like it once. It'll... It'll go back and forth. You don't One, want to do One, two, that. three, four. I mean, maybe any, tell a friend. Any like it any odd number of times. <laughs> Just like the video. Leave a comment. <laughs> do all the engagement things so we can get back into the algorithm yeah. again. Because if this video gets ten views, I'm gonna be very upset. We'll never be able to take a vacation yeah, again. This long ass video. Fuck. Yeah. All right. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.